Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast series for product management and product marketing professionals. I'm Lisa Sorg Friedman, and today we're going to talk about positioning. At Pragmatic Marketing, our definition of positioning might be a bit different from what many people may think of when they hear the term. Helping us to understand those differences is Rich Natensky, a Pragmatic Marketing instructor. Rich has more than 20 years of experience in the software industry, with 15 years of experience in product management. We caught up with Rich as he was traveling between training sessions. Welcome, Rich. Thank you, Lisa. Glad to be here. Rich, let's start with uh, the pragmatic marketing definition of positioning. How are we different from just mainstream positioning? Well, I, I don't know that we're that different. Um, I think we add some clarity. I think many people associate the term product positioning or positioning as a process uh, and make it synonymous with the notion of market messages, which is um, the external communication of value propositions and benefits to various audiences. At Pragmatic Marketing, um, I think we take a more classical view of positioning as the ability to articulate clearly and concisely on a single sheet of paper, if you will, the reasons that we want to actually do something for an audience, the reasons who it's for, what problem it solves, why they would want it, and to talk about the offering, the solution that we would be providing to these people in a way in terms of the problems that that the solution is going to address for them. So it's a very pointed and targeted, deliberate way of capturing the essence in a, in a very clear way of uh, why we're doing something for a particular audience. Now, here perhaps is where some people would find a difference, is that uh, we believe that positioning actually is an internal deliverable. It's done much earlier in the process than traditionally many companies do it. Many companies will do it uh, where perhaps they are preparing external messaging or product launch activities or at the end of the process, getting ready to go to market. We actually believe that you need the ability uh, to prepare positioning. You need to clearly and concisely have the ability to document on a one sheet of paper um, the reason that we want to undertake any effort and we need the ability to do that so that we can share it internally inside our business as a leverageable document that helps everybody else have a common understanding of what we're doing. So we leverage this document to pretty much drive everything we do on the execution side of our business. So whether it's the people who have to go to market and uh, promote our products, market our products, whether it's helping people who are selling the product understand uh, what kinds of problems we're going to be addressing and how we can articulate that for an audience so they can sell more effectively, whether it's the people who are creating our products, whether it's the engineering team, the technology group, who need to understand why we prioritize things the way we do or have to design a solution for particular offerings, um, regardless of who it is, inside the company, and uh, we need to have this ability. We certainly need to have it when we present ideas to the executive team, to the leadership team that controls resources. 
So in pragmatic marketing's view of positioning, it's required to go through the process to develop positioning prior to even getting approval to apply resources uh, to an effort. It's part of a business planning process as well as a go-to-market process. So we do it much earlier. We consider it very, very vital that we do it. And um, it has to be clear and concise. And it's something that everyone in the world of product marketing and product management needs to get really good at doing. So we've talked a little bit about why we should do positioning and when we should do positioning, but who should be doing the positioning? We uh, actually, after many years of experience, let me say this. Positioning is a group exercise. Uh, pragmatic marketing teaches that this is a, an activity done in small groups. It's done in, um, say, a half dozen or less. The kinds of people, virtually anyone in the company could do positioning. It is best that the people who are involved in developing positioning are people who are, first and foremost, understand the market segments that you target and the problems that you address. They certainly need to be familiar with your target audiences, the populations that you're targeting with your positioning, that you actually ha want to engage with and connect with so that your products are attractive to them. So it's people who are have that external view, people who have that market understanding and knowledge. I would say no one is specifically excluded from this, but mm -hmm. clearly people who are attached to the market do a better job of this. I'll also tell you just uh, from personal experience, uh, in our training classes we actually – do a pretty extensive positioning exercise where we asked all of the attendees to get involved in, and feel what this process feels like. And I would say that over uh, over the years that I've been an instructor as well as my own personal career, I've had the opportunity to see hundreds of these. And clearly, uh, I think the consensus agrees that while many people say, you know, maybe I could do it myself, you don't do as good a job when you lock yourself in a room and try to come up with really clear and concise ideas. The, the group dynamic is vital in doing this. Uh, it also is something that does not lend itself to groups of 25 or more. It's, it's, um, it's best done in, in a kind of controlled environment with dedicated time focused on the right things, which are in the market, not mm -hmm. so much talking about the product. So do you see this as a cross-functional team exercise or a specific the, group? Yeah, the execution of it is certainly cross-functional. Cross Anyone could be invited to participate based on the environment that we're in. I would say this, that as far as somebody taking ownership of positioning and making sure that it's done, uh, mm -hmm. I, I would think that most probably lives somewhere under the marketing umbrella. And whether, uh, depending how companies organize, whether that be uh, the people who are in the product marketing realm or the product management realm or the corporate marketing realm, um, marketing communications. The problem is that titles tend to be a mess uh, from company to company, from business unit to business unit. We change titles. We change responsibilities. So it's hard for me to give a definitive label of here's where it should live. But certainly right. somewhere in the organization. Um, we need to have 
clear accountability to make sure it's in place. I would say that uh, in the discipline of product management, uh, regardless of the title of the people who are executing product management functions, mm-hmm. in that discipline has to be positioning because, as I said, it's got to be part of the business plan. Whoever's responsible for developing the business plan has to ensure positioning's in place. Uh, so whether we're getting approval for a new release, whether we're getting approval for a new product, whether we're getting approval um, for any kind of investment of resources, positioning is going to have to be in place. So I would think that the people accountable for putting together that proposal, that business plan, uh, part one of the things that has to be in place is going to be positioning. So perhaps that's where accountability should lie. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about how different departments might use the positioning document. So how would it differ, for example, in marketing or communications, development, or sales? Sure. So uh, I I mentioned all three of those in in my uh, long-winded answer to the previous question. (laughs) Let's just dive a little bit deeper. Okay. Let's start with uh, the most natural synergy, and that would be uh, marketing, marketing communications. So the folks responsible for going to market external messages, uh, perhaps advertising, perhaps web content, any place we're going to be communicating uh, needs to understand the primary problems we solve and the way to highlight our offerings capabilities uh, in a way that people understand what problem that offering is going to solve for them. So positioning becomes the basis for all of the external communication pieces which are going to be developed. Now, uh, I often teach my classes that when we do positioning as an internal deliverable, because it's internal, it doesn't have to be market ready. Mm-hmm. And one of the audiences that's going to take it is our marketing communications team, all the people who are experts in communicating, and they're going to buff this thing up. They're going to change the words. They're going to make sure it sounds right. They're going to make sure we're clear and concise. And sometimes they're going to distill it even further depending on how they're communicating. So the marketing group is going to have now, rather than receiving from a product team a list of features and functions that we've built into a product, rather than a technical document that explains how things work and are then expected to make that attractive to a marketplace, um, they're going to get the real essence of what they need to deliver powerful market messages. So that's how they're going to use positioning. Uh, I think it's pretty universal, again, based on all of my experience. When we have marketing communications professionals in the room and they experience positioning, I often ask them, how would you like to get this from a product team rather than a list of features and functions? And I can't overemphasize how much their reaction is one of, oh, I wish, and you'd be answering my prayers because this would be valuable (laughs) and a way to do my job. Um, It's really well received there. Uh, Now, let's talk about some of the other execution arms of a company. We could talk about the development team, the engineering team, uh, the technical part of our business. Uh, They need to have context. They need to have understanding of what it is we're trying to create. Because as we go through the processes of design and construction, 
we're going to be faced with lots of choices. We're going to be faced with decisions about do we want to do things one way or another way. And by articulating to them clearly who the target is and what the problem is and what it is that we're trying to highlight for these people um, through the use of talking about the featuring the capabilities of our offering in terms of the products those capabilities address gives them context and clarity so that they can start to add value to a product because they simply understand. They understand who it's for and what problem we're trying to address so that the design alternatives that are presented are consistent with the positioning that we have in place so that the prioritization of producing our products in the first iteration or the subsequent iterations will all line up to the appropriate positioning for that release or that introduction. And everybody gets on board because they have this understanding, this very clear understanding of what it is that we're trying to deliver and who we're trying to deliver it to. I think the other one on your list was sales. Uh, yeah. Again, very execution-oriented, driving to the sale. Well, I would just point out that when we can equip our sales team um, with a, a complete understanding of who we have built something for, why they would possibly want it, and what are the pain points that we specifically are going to address for that audience, we make it a lot easier for them to connect with people and show them why we're the right choice to solve their problems, to meet their needs. So when salespeople um, often, and again, I, in my own history, I sold at, at, at various points of my career, we often say to salespeople, look, let me take you through the capabilities. Let me take you through the demonstration of our offering. Let me take you through all the, the features, all the capabilities, all the bells and whistles, and let me just take you through from A to Z which really takes a sales force and gives them uh, no ammunition whatsoever to really hit a sweet spot. They really have to take what I like to call a shotgun approach. They stand up and they start saying, look, I'm going to go down a list of features. I'm going to go down a list of functions. Stop me when you hear one that you like. Stop me when you hear one that is for you. When they have positioning, they can identify the audience they're talking to. If, if we've ever sold technology, you know that sometimes you're going to be talking to a technical audience. There are going to be certain things that technical audience are going to want to address. And positioning to that audience is going to help a salesperson speak to the important things to the technical audience. When they're talking to economic buyers, we're going to give them the equip them to talk about the needs of the economic buyer and what we're going to deliver to that audience. Um, similarly, when they talk to the functional audience, to the people who are going to have to use it, who really have less concern about things like ROI and cost and, and the technical supportability and, and standards and compliance and those kinds of things, they just want to know how's it going to make my life better. Uh, mm -hmm. We can talk specifically about how it's going to make that population's life better. So what positioning does is it gives you the ability to focus your messaging, your, your words, focus what it is you want to deliver to appropriate audiences so that it's meaningful for them. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to do with positioning. It's okay. really powerful. Yeah, it sure is. 
Yeah. And all that from a one-page document. Well, a one-page document per audience. Mm-hmm. So we need to develop positioning by audience. Mm-hmm. So when we identify significant populations uh, that we need to address, we have to develop positioning for that audience. So it's a single-page okay. document, but we produce multiple versions of that document. Mm-hmm. So do any stories come to mind about the impact that positioning documents have had in various organizations that you've worked with? Well, uh, there's one I, I, I tell often. I was working with a with a company. Uh, we were doing a series of classes, and it just so happens that one of the members of the leadership team, a senior executive, uh, found a way to attend the, the classes with us and actually devoted a few days in pragmatic training, which um, isn't always possible for senior executives, but in this case it was. And uh, we were doing the training, uh, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of a week. Now, it just so happens this company was preparing to launch a product the following week. It was already finished. It was in go-to-market. They were getting ready for a launch, and it was a major launch for them. And as we went through the positioning training, um, when we finished the exercise and we went through the results, the senior executive stood up and said, okay, listen, we have a launch next week. And we certainly are not going to go back and rebuild our product. We're certainly not going to go back and do all the things we learned in this training. But I don't see any reason that we can't do positioning. We've just learned how to do it. Rather than going to market with a list of features, rather than going to market with a large document that just talks about everything under the sun, we need to develop positioning for our key stakeholders, the targets we're going after with this release. And so he assigned a handful of people to uh, go away and create positioning documents for this new release. Uh, He then sent me an email. He said that the people he assigned, he assigned four or five people. He said they pretty much were locked away for uh, two days. And during those two days, they were pretty out of the loop. And when they came out uh, of this two-day session, they had a series of positioning documents to the four primary target populations for the launch, and they went and sat with the marketing team over the weekend, and they redid some of the web content. They redid some of the launch materials. They redid a webinar that they were doing, a podcast they were doing, and they went to market with the positioning as stated through this process. The senior uh, executive sent me an email that said, Richard, it's the first time we've ever gone to market without leading with features and functions. That's how we go to market, technical prowess. We went with these positioning messages, these kind of clear and concise messages. He said, first of all, it was the first time we ever did that, and it felt very strange for us. It was the most successful product launch we've ever had in the history of this company. We had more lead generation. We had more initial sales. We had more initial placements. We had more buy-in across the organization and created real excitement. And it seems like we've stumbled onto something that really has traction for us. So when you hear stories like that as an instructor, it certainly makes it worth getting up in the morning. Uh, That's why we do this. Great story. 
Yeah. Well, thanks for helping us understand positioning a little better. You've made it very clear. My pleasure. To learn more about positioning and other topics of interest to product management and product marketing professionals, check out our website, pragmaticmarketing.com. We've got articles, webinars, ebooks, and white papers to help you become more market-driven. And if you have a question you'd like for us to address, send us an email at experts at pragmaticmarketing.com. <laughs>